There's always a lot of good discussion about whether or not a successful team's coach should win the Jack Adams Award. Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year. Well, what about the executive? There's an award for that, too. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. It'll be Penguins versus Flyers tonight, 7.08 p.m. at PPG Paints Arena. I'll be there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. We'll talk about it here on Daily Shot tomorrow. And the subject of Ron Hextall is sure to come up in some capacity, given the two teams at hand and the hugely varying directions in which they appear to be headed. The Flyers, of course, are where they are in the standings. They've had two losing streak of 10-plus games. Insanity what's happened there. Now, a lot of it, in fairness, is rooted in injury and availability, but show me a team that hasn't had to deal with that. By the time this coming trade deadline passes and you see Claude Giroux get moved to another team, the captain, still the best player on the roster, you'll know for sure that the Flyers are headed toward a long haul rebuild. And when that happens, you can be very sure that you'll have more people, like Bobby Clark did recently in Philadelphia, blaming that on Hextall, which really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He hasn't been the GM there for a while. The draft picks that he made did come with a lot of hype on the wrong side of the Commonwealth. Some of that was justified. Most of it in hindsight wasn't. But I don't know that I look at the players from those classes, from those Hextall classes, and say, wow, this is just a bust. I mean, they got to the NHL. They're NHL players. I'm talking about the Scott Lawton types and whoever, okay? Travis Konechny and so forth. It's not a great group. They seem to have underachieved. And you could certainly throw Carter Hart into that mix. But before I turn this into a daily shot of flyers, I'll keep this really simple. Other than blaming Hextall for passing on Kale McCarr, which no GM should have done, and he did, in preferring Nolan Patrick, you're really, really stretching to try to blame Hextall for what's gone wrong there. You, Philadelphia, and the Flyers' current front office have had ample opportunity to address whatever it is that you think is wrong there, not least of which is, you know, signing free agents, making trades. Nobody handcuffed you the day Hextall left. And, oh, by the way, since Hextall left and then made it to Pittsburgh via L.A., He's been really, really good, and he just might be worthy of this year's NHL Executive of the Year Award. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. 
where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. It's often said by sports executives, any sport, that sometimes the best move you make is the one you don't make. Even Jim Rutherford, who seldom saw a move he didn't want to make, made that statement after waiting out the trade deadline in 2016 and only getting, I underscore the word only, Justin Schultz from the Oilers in what looked to be a total afterthought. Schultz ended up being, of course, a vital piece of two championship teams, a huge piece of the second of those in 2017 when he basically had to become the number one defenseman in Chris Letang's absence. Hextall came to Pittsburgh believing, and rightly so, that he had a really good roster, as it was. He didn't mess with it much. He came in midseason, and he and Brian Burke both had a chance, arguably an urge, to put their own stamp on the team at the trade deadline. They could have done different things. They could have done more than just get Jeff Carter. Instead, they went all in on Carter. They studied him. They did their homework on multiple fronts. What I've heard is that they were exhaustive about this, which sounds kind of funny considering he was 36 years old and very much a known commodity. Oh, and by the way, Hextall had just came from the Kings organization. But they did. They wanted to make sure that he wouldn't disrupt the room with his arrival. And in contrast, he would be a really, really good, solid piece for that team. Turns out he was the best piece of that team. And Carter's done nothing but excel since then and earn the two-year extension that Hextall and Burke just gave him. Since then, Hextall has put his fingerprints on this roster. Maybe not always for the better. I'm going to be critical of the Jared McCann thing for a long, long time. But if you're going to do something like that, you better make sure you found other ways to compensate. He did. He did. Brock McGinn's a really good player. Bringing back Evan Rodriguez was a nice move. Danton Heinen, nice addition. And then there's stuff that maybe most people wouldn't put into the GM category, but very much counts. How about standing firmly behind Tristan Jari? Personally behind Tristan Jari the way he did. Hextall, the old goaltender, invested himself in that process. He described this for me once earlier this season in a talk we had. He wanted to find out what was up with Jari. What makes him tick? What could get him to move past that Islanders series? The GM, I really believe this, gets more credit for Jari than anyone outside of Jari. He really should. And not to mention changing goaltending coaches, also the GM's decision. Here's another one. How about standing behind Mike Matheson? Remember when Matheson was put on the Seattle protected list? 
And everyone was like, whoa, just leave him out there. Just let him go. There's no way the Kraken would take that contract. And and even if they do, awesome. Great. That's cap relief. Well, Matheson's turned out to be a hell of a hockey player. He always had that type of talent, that raw skill. It just had to be managed. Hextall correctly saw that this is a smart player. Matheson's a really smart dude. And that he had Todd Reardon on staff. And he trusted both of them to work it out. They did. They did. You think Seattle wouldn't love to have a Mike Matheson right about now? The Penguins are in first place. They're in first place despite injuries and ailments and other absences that actually dwarf those of the Flyers, the current Flyers, getting back to them. And this is to the credit of Hextall. And it very much should be considered at awards time. When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash DK. FuboTV.com slash DK. And today's J1Q comes from Frank Filatico, who asks, is what we're seeing in Edmonton with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl what could have happened to Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin without Sergei Gonchar, Chris Letang, and Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray? Frank, no. I, I'm probably going to throw you a curve here with this answer because in my mind, and again, I don't want to turn this into daily shot of Oilers either, but that's the question that you asked. In my mind, if you look at the Oilers roster with McDavid and with Dreisaitl, there was still something of a supporting cast, especially up front. The Oilers themselves are the ones who mismanaged that. They gave Taylor Hall away for nothing, only to see Hall become an MVP in Newark. Actual Hart Trophy winner. He gave away for nothing. They've added so very little of consequence in terms of depth, whether it's via trade, via free agency, almost nothing on the blue line, saying that respectfully with my man Cody Cece up there. They invested heavily for some reason in Miko Koskinen as their goaltender. No idea what that was about, and I called that at the time. And here they are looking just like the same mediocre crap roster that they've been through the better part of this tenure, meaning the McDavid-Dreisaitl tenure. The biggest mistake they've made, in my estimation, instead of getting into the individual ones, is that they never ran into their Jim Rutherford urgency period. Never has a franchise 
more needed Rutherford than this one. It's the Oilers who should have hired him, not the Canucks. Because they needed someone to walk in there and say, what the? Look at these two players you've got. How are you not surrounding them with absolutely everything that you can surround them with right now? They are individually unstoppable. Watch their games. There's no answer for either player. This is when you add. This is when you say to heck with the draft, to heck with draft picks. Who do we have to get? What do we have to do here? Who's the best goaltender we can get? Not just the one who happened to be walking through that day, meaning Koskinen. How do I sell this franchise as being the one where you'd want to come to because you get to play with these two guys? The same approach the Penguins took when they had that, meaning the young peak versions of Sid and Gino. But to try to actually answer your question, no, it wasn't those guys that you mentioned. Other than Gonch, I'll, I'll start with Gonchar because he he's the one that Craig Patrick brought in because he wanted that steadying force, that power play point guy to work back there and make sure that things could happen for Sid with the man advantage. But the better examples, to me, were the acquisitions of Gary Roberts, Bill Guerin, guys who were uh, big and tough and strong and playoff-tested, but also, especially in Guerin's case, could still score and fly. You know, Billy, even in his late 30s, could really motor. And when you add pieces like that, Peter Sikora is another one I could throw in very easily. Those are the ones who come in and instantly lift up the entire quality of the roster, and they embolden the stars to become even more star-like. Now, the parts that you mentioned, the reason I said no, the beginning, they were already in place. Marc-Andre Fleury was already here. Brooks Orpik, first-round pick, was already here. Chris Letang, already here. Those weren't additions or augments. And no, Edmonton didn't have those. <laughs> the Penguins didn't send an MVP to Newark for nothing. I digress. The urgency came because the GMs at hand, in order, Patrick, Ray Shiro, then Jim Rutherford, all understood what they had in front of them. And they understood that every year was another opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. And to round this back to what I discussed in the opening segment, that is Hextall's approach. He told me himself he sees every year that Sidney Patrick Crosby is playing in Pittsburgh as an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup, and he will treat it accordingly. Doesn't mean he's going to give up all his draft picks, but you know what? There is a time and a place to do that. And for the Oilers, that was like three years ago. I don't know if they can pull it off anymore. That roster doesn't just need a tinker. That roster needs a blow-up. And if it doesn't get one, and 97 in particular doesn't ask out of there, then you got to start questioning him. You guys start questioning whether or not a Stanley Cup is important 
to him. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Flyers slash Oilers, and we will have another one tomorrow. 